The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. His name is Levi Buchanan. So Levi is a screenwriter, a director, a producer. He does a whole bunch of stuff. Um, A video game designer, I think. Uh, You'll hear more about that in the episode. But anyway, really, really cool dude who I've known since uh, about late 2020, whenever I joined a horror screenwriting group for just a little bit. That was actually from Jen Dunn's initial spreadsheet thing that she made um, so people could find writers groups, which now is um, a notes community. You can find more about that notescommunity.com. You can go back and listen to Jen's episode if you ever want to join a screenwriting group. That's one way you can do it. Um, but anyway, Levi, we met through that. Really great guy. And uh, I wanted to bring him on the show because he actually did the unthinkable for many of us. He wrote a feature film and he said, I'm just going to fucking make this thing. And he did it. And it's a feature that he just wrapped principal photography on. I think they had a couple pickups left to do. But um, it's called Citra Acra. And it's like a really cool horror script that I read back in its early days and um it's like a it's like a video game movie um so video game people will really really enjoy this um but it's also scary and it's also got some drama in it um you know deep characters uh it's got everything and uh he did it through a kickstarter but also some private funding that he found we're going to really get into all of it. But anyway, it's it's crazy impressive what he managed to do. And um, I just love the story of anyone just being like, I'm just going to make it. I'm done waiting for people to come save me because he did that. I really wanted to know, how did you do this? Um, I'm sure there's some filmmakers out there who listen to this that want to know, how do you just go make your feature? And because of that, the first half of this episode is kind of the typical screenwriting stuff. But then the second half is all about the film and all about the financing and all about the production. Uh, they just wrapped principal photography at the time of this recording. And I think they had like one day, a half day of pickups or something left to go. But anyway, crazy interesting stuff. Um, so, you know, if filmmaking isn't your, cause this is a long episode. <laughs> if filmmaking isn't quite your thing, you only like it for the writing side. Um, just letting you know, the second half is going to be pretty much purely filmmaking. However, we do still talk about character and craft and all of those things and how those, Happen on a set. I would recommend that any screenwriter knows kind of how the filmmaking process goes anyway. Um, But anyway, yeah, that's why this is such a long episode. Also, guys, if you like what you hear, uh, I always want to hear about it. You can shout us out on Twitter or Instagram at socialwriterpod. 
Um, give us a shout. Tell us something you liked about the episode. Tell us something you took away, a nugget of information, or tell me that I fucking suck and I need to quit doing this right now immediately. Uh, any feedback is welcome. Also, if you like what you hear and you want to donate to the show, that is always super appreciated. These things take a while to record and edit and do all the promo and stuff like that. So it's always really welcome to get any help uh, that I can. Uh, really appreciate that. But that's it, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, here is Levi Buchanan. Levi Buchanan. Yes. It is so good to see you, my man. How have you been? I've been well, Andy. It's really good to see you again. It has been a hot minute. Yes, yeah. So listeners, for people who don't know, I've known Levi since maybe like mid to late 2020, something like that. When uh, That was when I first started getting, getting into screenwriting Twitter, early 2020, around the pandemic starting but um we uh became friendly on twitter and then all of a sudden we're in a screenwriting group together that Mm -hmm. was for horror writers there was Mm -hmm. eight of us um it was called creepy clutch and it was a very fun group um really great group of writers really talented people and we swapped work and we got to know each other and around like april of 2021 after about five months, maybe I left the group. I was just overwhelmed with what I had going on on my own plate. I was like, ah, I got to cut something out. But um, so I left and me and Levi haven't really seen each other face to face since then. We're looking at each other on Zoom right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, it's just uh, it's always been a pleasure knowing you. I feel like just now before the show where we can pick up right where we left off, like no time has passed. And uh, I'm just so happy for all your success in the meantime, man. It's been really awesome. All the shit you're doing. Thank you. And, and likewise, I mean, it, it, it has been, you know, a, a little bit there, but it has been a joy, uh, to of course, stay in touch, you know, on, on mm-hmm. Twitter, et cetera, but then also just to, uh, uh, encourage, celebrate and admire all of your accomplishments. Um, in the meantime, they are, uh, both substantial and uh deserved based on the level of care generosity and talent uh that you have and that you put into everything you uh you write oh well i'm just gonna throw what you said right back at you because i can't put it that eloquently (laughs) but no that's really beautiful man thank you so much you bet Um, thank you i'm I'm just so happy to be here i was i was kind of wondering when it would be my turn but you know hey this has been in the making for a minute (laughs) i wanted to wait until uh until we finished uh principal photography on on the movie before i came on absolutely and we're gonna dive into that but just so uh listeners know in a little bit we're gonna get into levi uh made a movie he made a feature film he funded it raised quite a bit of financing on his own which is something i'm very curious to talk about Mm -hmm. i'm sure a lot of listeners will be curious to learn about too um you really just did it you know uh i don't want to say pull yourself up by your bootstraps because that's become a weird conservative thing But, um, but you did and uh you've really done it from the ground up and i respect it i love it we're gonna get into it but first off, man, I just want to know, how did you get into screenwriting? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, movies are one of my earliest loves, you know, as a kid, as my parents uh, both mentioned, you know, that, or early on is that, uh, that, that the, the kid that walked into Raiders of the Lost Ark is not the kid that walked out of it. That, that, I love like, that. Some, something had shifted that this, this was something I was entranced by. And um, yeah. But I didn't really, I mean, I, I admired them, but I think it was, uh, it was fifth grade. 
and a, a childhood friend of mine um, who was also into movies and, and loved to write as well. Um, he wrote like a 10, 12 page, you know, teleplay. And it just kind of was like, oh, this, this is a thing. Like, the, the, this is just, this is just a thing we can, you can just do. Mm-hmm. And um, really uh, kind of fell in love with it very early. Um, and uh, just the, the form, um, yeah, just fell in love with it early and, you know, and then, and have fallen in and out of love with it, you know, over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, over my adulthood, you know, um, it's something I, I stick with it has frustrated me like hell. And it has also, um, uh, opened up, you know, my, my world and help and allowed me to explore creativity and meet amazing people. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, I guess that's the thing is I got into screenwriting when I was, when I was a kid, when I was 10. Yeah. That, I think for or, a lot of us, 12, I guess 12 would be fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us, the seed is planted around, you know, that age, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, but you were actually exposed to like the writing process of it, mm-hmm. which is uh, yeah. really cool. That's the thing. I had no idea that it was a thing until uh, uh, Chris was my childhood friend and he just kind of shows up with this, this thing on the playground. And I'm like, Oh, you can just write these like, and, you know, and, 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 I don't know. Like it was just kind of a brain breaker, like in the best way possible. And then it's just, Oh, well maybe I should now write one. And, and then life, like, like life does what it does. <laughs> yeah. So funny. I was just thinking about this the other day I was on a walk and uh, that's when I have all my best thoughts, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about how I always love movies and, and this is a little cliche. It's not like I'm the only one <laughs> to feel this, but I always loved movies so much when I was a kid, I was obsessed with stories, but I mm-hmm. never thought, of I never even considered that someone's job is to write this mm-hmm. or someone's job is to direct this. Like mm-hmm. uh, I never really thought about it in that way until, you know, my teens, I guess. But mm-hmm. as a kid, I never saw it as a viable profession. So it's just been really interesting to think back on that and just how truly magical, I guess, you know, movies and TV were when you're not thinking about the logistics behind it all you know and now it's been ruined for us you know i still enjoy movies but as i'm watching i'm thinking about all the logistical processes that must have gone on to make this thing I mean, the funny thing is is i think what restored the magic of it all for me was making one but i know we, we'll get into that later but it, yes all of it came everything from you know um uh, from six-year-old me watching raiders lost like all of it just came flooding back into the system and they they are magical to me again yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's really beautiful. Um, so Levi, how would you describe your quote unquote brand? Huh? I mean, I think, I, I don't know if I have, I should have thought about this more admittedly, but I, mm-hmm. I think my brand specifically is, uh, I, I am definitely more, uh, character oriented or character driven than I am plot driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, uh, character-driven stories. doesn't matter how strange, fantastical, big, whatever. Um, if, if I don't give a damn about the characters, uh, then it means nothing to me. And so I really love playing around in character. I really love playing around in dialogue. I really love playing around in um, those uh, little moments inside a, a, a script or a movie that uh, uh, allow the character to, to reveal themselves, whether it's in a, uh, a line of dialogue or whether it's in an action. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course there's 
you can write that and then and then it gets handed over you know you know if it gets produced you know then there's whatever the the, the, the actor does with it but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i think I, if i had another brand is i just um weird you know and yeah. <laughs> and, and and not weird for the sake of weird but yeah. more weird is in um how do we take something established and look at it from a an, uh, a slightly off kilter angle mm-hmm. you know imagine you know walking up to a a, a framed photo a framed picture that's, that's hanging straight and instead just kind of and and tilting it just just yeah. a little bit you know um yeah that's kind of i, I suppose where, where my brand would, would would be would be you know character dialogue driven um and then how do we approach you're just weird you know yeah yeah just that's like somebody uh some person i think they smeared a pie on the mona lisa today or yesterday something happened yeah so that was their their vision you know like we know the mona lisa it's established but let's see what it Mm -hmm. looks like with a little pie let's see what it looks like (laughs) if if i'm an asshole and exactly (laughs) yeah well was it in a glass case I thought I, I read that it was in a glass case. I saw the story and I kept scrolling, but I was like, oh shit, what a dick. I remember the one time I did, I, I did see the, the, the Mona Lisa, like you had his, like it was from a distance. So I believe that, Oh, cool. It, I don't know what got changed, but I think, I think this guy must've uh, hurdled a barrier and, and gone up to it. But yeah, I, you know, like, look, I support the cause, you know, I mean, we, we've ruined the climate. Yes. All of it. Don't be an asshole. That didn't, yeah. That, yeah. Don't, that, that, that didn't that didn't help anybody no it sure yeah. didn't no yeah. uh for sure uh, okay but yeah i would agree having read your work and seen your work before i would agree with those takes of uh who you are as a mm-hmm. artist um i do think that you know with weird uh being kind of like a a buzzword that can mean a lot of things yeah. i do think that your work is like adventurous you like to take risks which is something mm-hmm. that like some of my favorite filmmakers do mm-hmm. i know episode one which feels like 30 years ago now me and gabe nerded out Mm -hmm. about m night Shyamalan, Mm -hmm. and how like you know some of them are home runs some of them are you know you could even go so far as to say strikeouts however like the risk and the big swing is always there Mm -hmm. so i'm like i at least appreciate that 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 dude is always swinging for the fences you know exactly yes yeah uh and the thing is is i don't think weird necessarily means uncommercial um Mm -hmm. I very much write things that can either be sold or hopefully one day sold or, mm-hmm. or made. Um, yes, me too. I have written things very much for myself, you know, and, you know, and they sit in a drawer, but the majority of things I do is I, I, I want to see them out into the, uh, into the world. And I don't think that weird um, means uh, uncommercial. I think that those two things can live together uh, very comfortably. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this movie. I nerd about nerd out about it constantly now, but everything everywhere all at once. Yes, I did see it. Now that I yeah. see it, I loved it. Yes. Yes, dude. Yeah. yeah, it's such an amazing movie. And um, I think that's a good example, you know, that weird can be mm-hmm. commercial because I mean that's about as weird as weird gets. Uh you could say Swiss Army Man as well, which I don't think was as commercial commercially successful. It was but, not. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think they yeah. probably made a little money i don't think it was a super failure either um but it was certainly an artistic achievement you know um yes uh yes swiss army man um yeah it is is an it it is not boring like that like and i I mean that as the highest compliment you know um 
it is and and then you you can see how it kind of launched like i know that they did sort of their own um their own things i think individually like uh was it uh one of them did dick long yeah i think uh, I that's um, daniel shiner if, yeah. uh, i hope i'm not saying that wrong i think it's shiner but yeah then, yeah he did death of dick long death of dick long. and then it, you arrive at at everything everywhere and yeah i mean just absolute uh revelation um seriously everything yeah. from the outrageously uh i i should i should not be surprised by the performances mm-hmm. that they that they got from their cast mm-hmm. um but to have everybody operating um at at at, at 12 you know yep. for for the yep. entirety of the picture mm-hmm. um not a not a wasted there's not an ounce of fat on that movie mm-hmm. um Every moment is meaningful. Every shot is meaningful. Every word is meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, what a that is that is the kind of uh, movie or art that uh, that God knows I aspire to. Um, yeah, it was uh, God and, and moving. Like <laughs> even though that is not that 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 is not my life experience. Uh-huh. Um, the the its ability to be you know, to 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 express this specific experience and yet to mm-hmm. make it universal without um, watering it down for lack of a better phrase. That's not exactly what I mean, but right. um, it, I mean, just what a, a just a, a touching, I mean, God, I mean, I mean the central, you know, the central message of, you know, you just, we all just want to matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just want, truly. I yeah. Want we want to be seen and accepted. And yeah, I want the yeah. fact that I was here to actually mean something, <clears throat> you know, yep. and that doesn't mean it has to mean something to seven, you know, seven, eight billion people. Yeah. I'd love if it meant something to at least, you know, one person, you know, and yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. I was, they, they fired on all cylinders making yeah. that Daniels did like, and like you said, with their cast, it's almost like, you know, it's not like an internal sense of competition uh, amongst the cast, but it's like everyone was performing at such a high level. It's almost mm-hmm. like they were like, oh, I can't let my performance dip because these people are all crushing, um, which is also, I think, a testament to Daniels. And then I also think that like Jamie Lee Curtis uh, during mm-hmm. the campaigning for the movie has been so vocal about like we did this movie for no money. Uh, mm-hmm. what, you know, we're up against Dr. Strange, like she's calling out Dr. Strange mm-hmm. and she's like, and we're still crushing it and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of pride that someone like Jamie Lee Curtis takes. And then it seems like the whole cast is taking in this project is like, I think Daniel's really, that's a testament to them as well of like the environment they created mm-hmm. and the passion they created for the project where yes. everyone's making it for the same reason, you know, for the love of film and the love of telling this beautiful story that's going to move so many people. And like, it, it became an all timer for me. Like the minute I left the theater, I was like, yeah. I've never been moved by, I mean, I've had some movies, you know, come close. Uh, well, I've had movies move me in an equal way, but very few and far between. And those are like movies that are widely seen as all timers, you yeah. know, whereas, um, yeah, it was just really cool to, uh, witness something so strange and bizarre and beautiful and it's having commercial success. I think it's on track to be a 24's most successful release, which is like, again, wow. to bring that entire That's tangent great. back uh, is that you're right. 
weird doesn't mean not marketable. And I think there's something it's, it's that, that Jamie Lee Curtis brings up, you know, Dr. Strange is I think, you know, I, you know, sci-fi and fantasy, you know, have existed for as long as, you know, as there have been storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you look at the last 40, 50 years of movies, you know, everything from 2001 to Star Wars, you know, yes. those even, when you talk about Willow, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but there's something that what Marvel movies and, and to a, a similar, but not the same extent DC movies have done to um, make such wild, fanciful, cosmic, magical, weird, logic-defying things palatable to every single person. It's incredible. So that something like everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, the audience is primed to accept that premise, to accept mm. that central conceit. Um, the moment they sit down, because of of what I think you know, some of the uh, comic book you know movies have done uh, in pop culture for the last 15, uh, 15 years. I I I, yeah. I don't subscribe to the idea that you know comic book movies are not cinema because they really are. Yeah, you know, that's um, really interesting. But um, I really think that they have primed. Um, they they have opened up their their mass acceptance have has opened up you know, alternative storytelling or the ability to plug into very fanciful uh, premises that, mm-hmm. that maybe, you know, in the past um, uh, studio head or a gatekeeper or whatever might say, this is a little too much. The audience isn't going to be able to follow this. I don't know. And, and specifically the Marvel movies have shown that is not true. That audiences yeah. are primed and ready to go on wild, fantastical adventures and it's yeah. okay to take a big swing and, and go for it. Mm-hmm. Not only are audiences ready, but we're going to make some of the most successful movies of all time mm-hmm. commercially. Like those movies are, and like you said too, you know, there's the argument of is Marvel really cinema? And it's like, it's movies playing in theaters that are drawing <laughs> the most people I've ever seen flock to the theater. So yeah, I think that they're cinema and I can get it. Like, you know, like, you're not going to see um uh i don't know what a good example like uh something like uh this is a movie i haven't seen yet i really want to but the worst person in the world looks really good looks right Mm -hmm. at my alley little small indie drama movie Mm -hmm. um you're not going to see that when you're going to see you know guardians of the galaxy or whatever which is a good movie i like guardians and i'm not even yeah yeah it's great i'm not even (laughs) big on marvel however i try not to be a marvel hater because like i just try not to be a hater of if a bunch of people love it then a bunch of people love it who cares you know what i mean like let people like the things that they like that's yeah okay cool so we i i made us dwell on that for quite a while (laughs) that's quite all right (laughs) moving okay so um levi since everyone's writing routine is unique, uh, can you kind of describe to me your regular writing routine? Like, are you a daytime writer, nighttime, morning? You like coffee, just stick to water. What's it usually like whenever it's time to write for you? Um, I, I write when I can, let me put it that way. You know, I, mm-hmm. I do have a, I, I, I do have a quote unquote day job, um, mm-hmm. which we, which we can talk about, you know, later. Um, sure. um, so uh, I write when I can. Sometimes that is I, I get up early morning and do it before I get started. Sometimes I do it, uh, I do it late at night. Um, mm-hmm. It's um, my, my routine is more dictated by kind of what's happening in, in, in life at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, I sometimes will, will, um, I sometimes will write in a coffee shop. I think what I do more out of the house is editing. So I have mm. sat at the end of a bar, um, with uh, a printed out, uh, script or, or, a, or a laptop and, um, and, and edited something like that or, or taken a, taken another pass at a scene or whatnot. But, um, sure. uh, but yes, writing definitely happens for me at home. Um, with, yeah. with no, with no distractions. Um, it's not all play music, but that's, that's about it. Um, mm-hmm. um, very much coffee, love coffee, love mm-hmm. me some, uh, Mountain Dew Zero. That's oh, nice. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, and this is not me criticizing every, you know, other people's choices, but I do not believe that for, at least for me, drinking and writing do not mix. Um, yeah. I don't, I, 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 I do drink socially, so, but I mm-hmm. just, uh, I want to have full access of, of, of everything. I don't want to dull potentially mm-hmm. a single edge or a single idea that could have potentially gotten clouded behind of, uh, one drink too many. Um, yeah. and so I, I, I never drink while I, while I, while I write or while I edit, you know, I said, I sit at a bar. Sometimes that's just where, you know, a nice change of scenery, but it's yeah. still a diet Coke. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, you're just in a new atmosphere that can exactly. maybe clear your head from the place it was created. Uh, exactly. The, the atmosphere it was created. No, I can yeah. agree. Uh, even when I was a drinking man, uh, I have never really subscribed to that. The right drunk edit sober. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see how being drunk, you know, you have less inhibitions and you uh, mm-hmm. can be free on the page. But uh, I never once found when I experimented with drinking and writing that I did something better drunk uh, writing wise that I don't think I could have done sober. So for me, it was like, yeah, I just I even when I was drinking, I didn't write drunk. And also when I my one of the reasons I had to give up drinking was once I started drinking, that's all I wanted to do for the Mm. rest of the night. I just wanted to like whatever was happening before that's in the background. I'm now drinking. So that was like something for me. If I had a beer, whenever I'm writing, you know, after that beer, I'm like, I wonder what my friends are doing. You know, I'm going to close this laptop and go hang out and uh, then nothing gets done. I think that, you know, clearly some folks do are, are able to drink and, and, and write to, you know, to, to apparently to, to great success even. Absolutely. But but if you're a, this is just my thinking, you know, I'm not, this is not for everyone, but if you are screenwriting, which is, Mm -hmm follows a very specific um, form and format and just everything about it. I feel like it would be in your outline, look in your outlining phase and you're just kind of tossing around the scenes, you know, I mm-hmm. suppose that's fine. But yeah, yeah. Um, when you're dealing with kind of the architecture that writing screenplay requires, I know for me, I, I, I want access to, um, to, to all of my faculties yeah. And then also with my characters, I want access to all my feelings. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good point too. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's a, yeah. a lot, a big reason. A lot of people, I mean, not, not healthy drinkers, you know, and mm-hmm. there's a difference, but like, uh, for me, I was not a healthy drinker and like, yeah, doling feelings was one of the mm-hmm. things. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, yeah. And I do want to say too, that like, uh, I'm, you know, I'd want to put it out there that I definitely was aware that I had an issue with drinking. Many mm-hmm. people can have a glass of wine and write and be great and do what they do. Uh, not saying that drinking is a problem. 
just for absolutely. Me. <laughs> I am not. I'm not casting any sort of judgment. I'm only talking about mm-hmm. my own uh, personal yeah. experience. That times when in the in the past many years ago, when I did, you know, uh, you know, I'd make myself, you know, a small cocktail and I'd start uh, start writing. Sure. I could say that 99 times out of 100, um, I know that wasn't my best writing. I know yeah. I wasn't. Ha- I didn't have access to everything I wish I'd had access <clears throat> to, and so, and so now I don't. Sure. And like, you know, in this crazy world where we have day jobs and mm-hmm. all these things, mm-hmm. all these responsibilities, you got to really hold your writing time tight, you know? And yeah. so if something yeah. isn't working for you flow wise, mm-hmm. uh, you have to do everything you can to be in the best mind state to get shit done. It's, it only gets harder to the more, you know, quote unquote success that you find. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a little bit more pressure with each one of like, Oh, I have to keep, trying to produce and I need to keep fine tuning that thing that needs fine tuning Mm -hmm. and oh shit, I'm running out of ideas. (laughs) You know, I've I've written a lot of the things that, you know, from my childhood and my twenties that I wanted to talk about. And Mm -hmm. now I need some new feelings to talk about. Some new feelings. Um, Right. Okay. So that's, that's your routine side of it. Uh, I want to talk about your writing process. Sure. So like, let's say you have a brand new idea. What is mm-hmm. the very first thing that you're doing? Are you jumping into an outline? Are you coming up with a title? Are you writing a log line so you kind of know the gist of the idea? Um, or do you just jump into pages? Because some people do that. Some people write the scene on page 50 to start. Uh, there's no rules. So what's it like for you? What's your process? Uh, when I come up with a new idea, um, yep. it depends on how that idea comes to me. Sometimes it comes from a, like, I'll just kind of come up with a scene that I, I think, you know, this, this would be an amazing uh, scene that takes us from act two to act three of this idea that that's kind of in my head. And I will sometimes write that scene knowing that it will change 80 times, you know, yes. but it's yeah. good just to kind of get that moment, that moment out. Uh, but when it's a, when it's kind of a new idea and it's more in that nebulous phase, um, I don't even go into outline. I just kind of am, am either handwriting notes or I'm, um, uh, I'm just kind of writing down paragraph, like just almost free association paragraphs and, and notes and just things like that about like, all right, so this, this, I want to explore this. I, I like this. I want to set it here. Um, I just kind of have an idea of, of, of what the, what the emotional arc, what, where I want to be start and where I want to end this character's journey, whether it's, uh, their, their, their physical or their emotional journey. I just kind of put that together. And then I go into, um, I outline, I'm a, mm-hmm. uh, I'm an outliner. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't go straight into pages. That's never been successful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't even do it anymore. I, I outline, I do a, I do kind of a beat sheet and then I yeah. do a scene by scene outline. Um, mm. and then that, that scene by scene outline allows me to figure out where my five, six, seven, eight, whatever sequences, um, are. And then within those sequences, and I'm looking at the scenes as I can figure out the kind of the arc, kind of the journey of each, um, each character that's in that scene. And mm-hmm. then it also allows me to kind of chart out when and, and, and understand that the moment I start writing, all this can go out the window. Yeah. But understanding <laughs> uh, what information needs to be, what information my characters need to have for that story at that time, and what is a organic way for that character to get that information versus a, ah, oh, shit, they have to know the combination to the lock right now. How do I, like, 
how do I give this to like, like, um, I find if I, if I do that kind of breadcrumbing as early as possible, um, it's more successful in the, the, the first or second draft for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I, I learned to outline, uh, after a few failed attempts of just trying to freestyle it. And Mm -hmm. so I learned pretty quick that like, yeah, you, you have to have a plan. Um, people have varying degrees too. I found I went from not outlining to outlining excessively to realizing that I need to be somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I like to write, you know, the critical points, you know, I love writing the opening scene. That's probably my favorite part of writing scripts is writing mm-hmm. that opening scene, trying to start with a banger, but, um, and then the inciting incident, the break mm-hmm. into act two, the yep. midpoint, uh, the break into act three. And then how do we end this thing? And then yeah. all the in-between shit, I like to just attack in the writing process and just mm-hmm. feel it out as I end this scene. Like, okay, so if I'm sitting there watching the best movie I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. what would happen next? And I'm not saying that I'm writing the movies that are the best movies ever. I'm not saying <laughs> that, but that's the goal. You know, I'm always trying to think like, you know, what would I love to happen next in this movie? Um, yeah. Cause you should also, this is goes without saying, but I uh, think, was it Kevin Smith? Maybe it might've been Quentin Tarantino. I think it was Kevin Smith who said, um, uh, think of the movie that you want to see. And if it doesn't exist, write it, you know, go make it. And uh, it's so simple, but it's so true. And uh, that's really what all of my shit is. And I'm sure that's what all your stuff is. That's what I just, that's what I just did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You brought the thing from literally putting the first word on a page (laughs) to financing and getting a crew together and shooting the damn thing. And yeah, it's funny what you say about like the, the, the the big moments, you know, that that you know that your script has to have. And then you talk about the the quote unquote in between shit. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think for me right now, I will never write that, that, that quote unquote in between shit again, the same way after making a movie and understanding Mm. what there, there is no such thing as in between shit that uh, everything has to matter um, because you are going to ask somebody for the money. Oh, to, for sure. To, yeah, to yeah. shoot that. Well, that was, but, but this wasn't necessarily obvious to me beforehand. It was like, well, yeah. we at least got to get this character from the office to home. Yeah. And um, what's, and what's that look like, you know? And I would sometimes have like a whole scene of, of what I just kind of called business. Mm-hmm. And then you, you kind of, you know, you get on set and you start to, you know, like, I don't need this business. Like, yeah, this can be cut. I, I, I don't need yeah, these 45 this seconds. A, I don't need this two minutes. Yeah. And this is a yeah. moving shot. So that yeah, exactly. adds money and complexity. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a no, that's a really good point too. Um for sure. I think like and and I know that you weren't like attacking my my no, words, but like I, it, it is I a very good no, I I, I absolutely no no I absolutely was not attacking. I'm because it, it's it's a it's something that I only until recently um, very very much saw it as that. Like, all right, I just yes. need to figure out how to get this character from here to there. And then right. once I saw the, the real world consequences of me doing that, yeah, um, I was like, I will never write this uh, this. I will never write this this way again. Sure. Uh-huh. These types of needless scenes. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're doing a, my guy needs to get from his office to his car in the parking lot, it better at least be a walk and talk where some really significant shit is 
be like, you know, be it exposition, be it a new revelation to the plot, mm-hmm. um, be it that when he's walking out, oh my God, he sees the guy who mugged him last week. Um, mm-hmm. Something needs to happen. I agree. Well, and then like, and I, what I was going to add on to was um, uh, something I think about with in between is like, uh, I'm a fan of save the cat and the beat sheet they use. So there's. Like, yes. Cause yeah. it works. It works. It's you a trap and follow it. Yeah, yeah. Like, but but if you're not at least starting with that and then, of course, do your own stuff with it, of course, put your own spin on it. But people that shit on Save the Cat, um, it, it kind of blows my mind. I'm just would, like, I, yeah, you know, I never want to, you know, be a dick to people outright. But like every time I see someone really shit on Save the Cat and how, oh, well, you're just going to make a formulaic movie and blah, blah, blah. I wonder how good their ideas are. Because you give a great writer that formula and they'll give you a great script yeah. because it's and only giving you an outline of like suggestions of, you know, in a typical Hollywood movie from this set of pages to this set of pages, usually this is what happens, which is leading me to what I was going to say is there's a section that's usually like from the end of act, the end of act one entering act two up until the midpoint that mm-hmm. uh, Blake Snyder calls fun and games. Yes. And he describes it as you have entered your new world in act two. The mm-hmm. old world of act one is gone. We're on this yes. new journey in an upside down universe. And what are the fun things that can happen now in this world? What are the games we're going to play? And he even makes the comment that this is often where a lot of trailer moments for a movie come from is this totally. section of pages. Absolutely. And I've always thought that's so interesting. So whenever I'm trying, cause I consider that part of my in between because it's in between big beats of the midpoint and the yes. break and act two that um, I'm always trying to think of really fun set pieces for right there. What are yes. really interesting, fun parts. And I think that he calls it to the uh, promise of the premise. Yes. So if you have a movie about, you know, aliens who landed on earth that um that uh can't see but they only hear like a quiet place Mm -hmm. uh in that part after we get into act two that's where a lot of the fun with those specific creatures and this family come from and we get to see you know uh the deaf daughter having her experience in this world Mm -hmm. where hearing is so crucial and yeah it's just uh you know i hope i'm not stating too much obvious things but like uh I just I always find it weird when people really, really shit on that formula because it's like, you know, I think a talented writer can always because it's it's not giving you creativity. Yeah, it's not it's, feeding you that. And and you don't have to follow it to the letter. Like, mm-mm. like, but but here's what you need. And then by all means, start moving stuff around, start scrambling things, start putting your own you know, touch and spin on it, you know. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. yep. But but when you have something that has that, that has clearly worked for motion pictures for as long as there have been motion pictures, yeah. for as yeah. long as there has been a you know uh, a trip to the moon, you know yeah. this has this 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 outline this this kind of superstructure has has worked, and brilliant artists have followed it to the letter, and brilliant artists have taken it like say like a Pulp Fiction and, and thrown it in the blender and come up with yep. something new. Perfect but, example. Uh, but, but yeah, to, just to, just to, 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 to offhandedly or to, you know, try to show your um, maverick uh, bona fides by, by, by crapping on this, 
the, the this, this tool i don't i don't get it i just don't get it yeah yeah that's you know similar to shitting on something like marvel where it's like well yeah. i mean dude it, clearly it's working for some people yeah. so yeah uh yeah it's just it's funny we we screenwriters are funny people and when you get a whole community of us on the internet it's very interesting we 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 are funny people and and that that community uh, uh that exists on the internet specifically on on twitter mm-hmm. um is sometimes an amazing place and to me also sometimes a wild place yeah um, dude yeah yeah you see, I, yeah. I read some of the craziest takes I've ever read in my entire life about screenwriting or film, filmmaking. Uh, I mean, of course, like not even going to get into the political, you know, things yeah. that you read on there, yeah. which is just insanity. But like just in our little neck of the woods, you know, you read some some wild takes that, um, you know, and a lot of times too. not <clears throat> I guess I should say a lot of times. <clears throat> but sometimes I read takes from someone who you can kind of tell has been chewed up and spit out by the business mm-hmm. once or twice, yeah. which it's, it could happen to any of us. It's a tough business, but I do also kind of get sick of like the really jaded screenwriting take uh, telling new writers, you know, well, you better have your guard up because this could happen. This could happen. And it's like, I mean, just let the person grow into a writer who has to actually worry about that stuff in the future before you fill their I mean, head up with fears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I love screenwriting Twitter because of who I have been fortunate enough to meet. I met you through it. I met yes. Gabe. I met Emmy. I met Dana. I met so many uh, incredible people through screenwriting Twitter. And I yeah, also same. see, uh, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I've also seen some very destructive stuff on, yeah. on screenwriting Twitter. Um yep. There are more than enough gatekeepers in the industry that mm-hmm. screenwriting Twitter does not need to gatekeep its each each other, whether it's mm-hmm. um, uh, whether it's uh, laying down what they believe the, the, the rules are or what the schedule you know, for writing should be. Yeah. Um, also, the schedule for success, what mm-hmm. they believe it, what they it's different for every human being. Yes. Um, it is social media. You know, whatever you're into, you know, um, you know, social media has caused issues with making people, you know, uh, doubt or, 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 or be negative about the way that they look or the way mm-hmm. that they eat. And I see what screenwriting Twitter does is it, it adds a, 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 a sometimes a, what I perceive as a poisonous, uh, competitive layer to all this amongst not, not only amongst people, but, but, but also of, of themselves, you know, in that like, Oh, you didn't write 12 pages today. Failure. Oh, you oh didn't, my God. you didn't make it by 33. You'll never make it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and those are wildly different timeframes, but, but to me, it's just like, the world is hard. Mm-hmm. The world is, is a, is a hard, miserable place. It is also mm-hmm. a outrageously beautiful, mysterious place. But, it, but it's hard and we don't need to make it harder. You know, um, it, I don't know if it, if, if it, if it, if it, if it, if it makes, you know, people maybe feel a little bit better about, you know, like, um, sharing their suffering 
I don't know if it makes people feel better about themselves to denigrate other people's work or, or, or denigrate their process or denigrate where they are. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Wait, on the flip side, I'm not a big fan of toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is that can be just as just as damaging. Agreed. I, I love the idea of folks sharing where they are and what they're doing and meeting each other and lifting each other up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I That's see the how, best times on that app. Yeah. I see, see sometimes how, how, how competitive it gets and how it, it sometimes encourages people to measure themselves against other people when we're all, mm-hmm. you, it's, it, we're all, we're all trying, you know, we just, yeah. you know, just, uh, I, I want people to, I, I wish more people approached it with a, how do we, how do we support each other? How do we lift each other up? How do we, you know, commiserate, but not cause misery, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting place. I, I dip in and out of it because sometimes I'll, I'll come in and it'll be a fun place and, you know, we'll kind of, you know, kid and goof and celebrate wins. And then sometimes I'm like, I just, I just watch people unfortunately enter a, a doubt spiral about themselves yeah. be, and they'll, and they'll be triggered by something that somebody <clears throat> said mm-hmm. or, or, or some sort of rule or whatever. And I'll, I'll, it's, it's yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it can be damaging. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, I, and I wish you, I wish it wouldn't be, you know, I remember when I first came to screenwriting Twitter in like 2020. Yeah. Some of the things I would read on there, cause I wasn't the, uh, the seasoned Twitter vet that I am now where <laughs> I've seen enough bullshit that I'm like, Oh, that's just a load of shit. That's what yeah. that is. Don't pay any attention to that. Mm-hmm. But also I was a much more novice screenwriter when I first came to Twitter and it's mm-hmm. only been two years, but I, I, I do think in my own opinion as well, that I've grown quite a bit as a writer in these two years. Um, and like I had um, uh, a friend named Min on the show a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and he was saying too, how, like, you know, because of the beauty of screenwriting Twitter, when he got to Twitter, he started making friends. He started doing yeah. script swaps and all these things. And he's mm-hmm. excelling as a writer. He's getting yes. better at an accelerated rate because of this nice part of the app. Mm-hmm. But um, and I believe in that. I think that's a big reason why I got a little bit better over these two years. But um yeah, you see things from people who are like, oh, wow, that person has been optioned and mm-hmm. they're saying this rule and that mm-hmm. goes against every instinct that I have as a writer. So, mm-hmm. fuck, you know, I'm doing this wrong and yeah, um, I got to go back and change everything I've done already and blah, blah, blah. And it's just so not the case. And sometimes this isn't a, isn't a direct call out of anyone, but like, you know, you'll see that that optioned writer was optioned once in 2004 for like a B movie that never went and, but they have it in their bio. So Mm -hmm. it presents this, this, you know, uh, title Mm -hmm. that they are someone to listen to. And it's like, not necessarily. Um, It's also, you know, I don't know. It's just a weird place. And there is a hierarchy um, uh, that seems like a hierarchy, you know, people who, Uh, have managers and agents, you know, are Mm -hmm. kind of looked up to. I know I did that. And then now the funniest thing is now that I have a manager and Mm -hmm. I have 
a number of friends who are represented and shit. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're all still playing the exact same game that we were playing before we had reps. Like, you're just out mm-hmm. here trying. There's no set way to win the creativity games. You know no, what I mean? There, like, there isn't. Yeah. And, and so in the meantime, let's be gentle with each other and also yeah. gentle with, with ourselves, you know? Um, I, 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 I'm, th- this is one of my, one tweet that I, I did that got a little bit of traction was talking about being, being gentle with yourself. You know, I remember early on in this, I would get so down on myself. I would get so upset at myself if the second draft wasn't exactly where I, you know, where I felt it should be. If this, I couldn't, this is an insellable shape I, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, my act two isn't, isn't, you know, tight as a drum and I, I, I'm terrible and I failed. And then understanding, you know, being gentle with myself and understanding it might take 27 drafts to get that, to get that moment just right. Yeah. It took, and it might take me 27 drafts, but it took somebody else four or it took somebody else 38 or 102 yeah. or whatever. And to, 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 to not just, to, to not just be supportive and tender and gentle with other people, but to absolutely be that way with, uh, with, with yourself. Um, cause like I said, it's hard enough out there in this world, you know, um, be, be, be tender, uh, be tender with yourself. The world is, is going to have no problem beating you up and knocking you down. So mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to do that to yourself. It's like Wayman Wang says and everything everywhere all at once. Once again, uh, we have to be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on exactly yes that's so true absolutely man. it's so true that part made me cry whenever he said that because i was like yes it's so right dude mm-hmm. uh i actually i think one of the reasons too that hit me so hard was uh you know ukraine is still at war but when i first saw it you know it was that stuff was all over the news and yes. um yeah it was just interesting to see that during wartime uh you know and yeah. that that message yeah. the simplest message that is so true um but you know the world is what it is. It is. Uh, it's, and it's sometimes a terrible place. Okay. So we have reached the point where we can talk about your aforementioned day job. Um, I remember your day job, but, um, mm-hmm. and I assume you're still there. I'm still there. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. my day job is I work in video games. Uh, I currently work for an indie game publisher called rogue games. Mm-hmm. Um, we publish games on mobile PC and console. Uh, but the entirety of my career post-college has been in video games. My first job out of college, I was a staff writer at uh, Nintendo. Um, this will date me. Um, when I got there, my first project was uh, working on materials for the Ocarina of Time for the N64. Oh, um, dude, that's so, so cool, though. Uh, it was golden era. Like It's, it's yeah. still golden era for them. But um, yeah. But, and then from there, you know, just, um, you know, worked uh, in, you know, on, on the media side of things, you know, uh, it was a syndicated columnist for the Tribune and wrote for MSNBC and other places. And then, you know, got started at IGN and was a columnist and then an editor there and then made the flip over to the business side of the industry and went to um, uh, an indie game publisher called Chilingo that published Angry Birds and Cut the Rope. And then it was acquired by Electronic Arts. And then I worked at Electronic Arts for about eight years and then uh, left there and ended up going to a, to, to start up with, um, uh, with some friends. And um, it's been a hell of a journey. I, 
I, I have always needed to have a, a, a quote unquote day job because of some health concerns. Um, I have uh, congenital uh, heart defects. And so mm. I've always needed health insurance. Um, yeah. And so thankfully, um, I have been fortunate enough to work in an incredibly creative um, industry, working with incredibly creative people that has uh, only been able to, um, you know, sometimes I, I do spend you know a lot of time from the computer. I don't really feel like writing when I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. But as a as a general rule across my 20 plus year career in games, it has been a creative, uh, positive um, force in my life. I recognize that it is not always that for everyone. Uh, I I say that it has been a creative, positive thing as a straight white guy. I understand that that the industry was built and largely, you know, operates for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that has been my 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 position of privilege within it. Um, but uh, it has thankfully I'm I'm very grateful that I work in a creative industry. Uh, working with other, you know, with creative game developers that much like me wanting to, you know, write movies and make movies, they want to make uh, video games and share their dreams. And I, I get to help them uh, with that process. Yeah, that's so rad, man. I've always admired your job. That seems like such a cool job. Um, awesome. So, uh, you know what, this would be a good time to talk about Citra Acra. Okay. And I'm, I'm saying that right, correct? Uh, Citra Acra. Acra, Citra Acra, yeah. like the Ocarina yeah. of Time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so talking about the whole, you know, your business savvy from your line of mm-hmm. work, uh, some of those experience, uh, you know, I've been thinking more, because I'm trying to do the same thing as you, and I'm not that mm-hmm. far along yet, but um, I am not only trying to be a screenwriter and a director, but I very much want to be involved on the producing side of things. And a big Mm -hmm. part of that right now is out of necessity. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, especially in my little film community, like we have a bunch of great people here making great shit, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, it's hard in Missouri. We're, we're a city without a state without any film incentives tax wise. And uh, you know, I don't know a lot about grants yet. And I did mm-hmm. a Kickstarter for my last um, short that was more successful than we thought it would be. So that was good. But um, I'm very much a novice at this stuff. And I'm not a numbers guy, but I'm trying to become that. Uh, I'm trying my best to learn because I do want to be someone who I think, you know, if you're a musician, you're a guitar player, like it's good to know stuff about the drums and stuff about the bass and how everything works and how you make songs. Uh, So for me as a filmmaker, it's like, I want to know everything because like you, Mm -hmm. it's just going to make you stronger. Yes. Um, So I'm very curious to hear about your whole experience because this was your first feature you'd made uh, at least one short I know about. Had you done other short films? Uh, I have been involved in other short films. Uh, some that have been released, some that have not. Um, uh, I wrote and directed one short film prior to this and was getting ready to do another just before the the pandemic hit and kind of everything kind of shrunk down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started writing um, Citra Acre based on of, I did a, like, I did a lot of writing in the beginning of the pandemic mm-hmm. and um, did a lot of, you know, submitting to contests, et cetera. And we can, you know, pick up on that thread. Yeah. Um, but one day I was like, this is not my, this is not necessarily my path. 
Um, I feel that my path is as a film is, is as, as a filmmaker, not exclusively a screenwriter. And so I started to try to write something that I imagined that I could uh, film in a pandemic uh, and in a world where maybe this pandemic never stopped, you know, like, mm-hmm. like what if this just kept going and, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and everything was either animated or on zoom, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I just started, uh, trying to put together, uh, what that would be because I just got this real felt sense that this was going to be, um, that this was going to be my path. Um, that I, you know, I, I've written a lot of scripts. Um, I have submitted a fraction of those to, you know, contests and fellowships to various degrees of success, you know, uh, placements and non-placements and mm-hmm. things like that. And we have so little control over our lives and our, de- and our destinies. And I thought that if I made the movie I always wanted to make or, mm-hmm. or made the movie that I always wanted to see mm-hmm. um, about things that I love and that are personal to me and that speak to me, um, I could exercise the tiniest bit of control over my own, over my own destiny. Yes. And, um, and did so with an outrageous um, amount of backing from not just from people on Kickstarter, which we'll talk about in just a moment, but also the Portland film community. Mm -hmm. And then also just people in my life. I have, I am outrageously fortunate to have people in my life who uh, believe in me, um, who have encouraged me and boosted me and, 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 and really, and in turn made me believe in myself in a, what I hope is a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there was probably the end of 2020, when um, I I made the decision that I was gonna um, I had written I think three scripts from the start of the pandemic to that point mm-hmm. um, I think you, and you read a couple of them in the group yeah and had, you know submitted them and and you know and you know you know talk about the contests and things like that yep. but I just was like this is my path is to make this movie about a cursed video game that mm-hmm. deals with. Um, ancient Jewish mysticism um, mm-hmm. that deals with themes of uh, uh, addiction and mm-hmm. the poison of nostalgia. Um, yeah. All these things that I'm, you know, that, that speak to me that I am very interested in yeah. old video games, the history of the video game industry, what it was like to, uh, you know, at the birth, what is it like to be a creator at the birth of a medium? Yeah. All these things that I, that really fascinated me and I wanted to put them all into one, uh, into one project. And I was like, and I'm going to find a way to make this. Yeah, um, dude. I, I love it I just, so much. So really quick. Could you, Yeah, cause this movie is, uh, I love that we're talking about it after you told your history with your day job and everything, yeah. because this movie is so you and it's it so, <laughs> like you said, what is the movie that I would love to see? Um, that says something about me so could you real quick kind of like break down citra acra what it's about sure um just real quick uh you kind of touched on it a little bit but like yeah just more like a log line type of thing so when it was when i I imagined citra acra as it was kind of a weird horror movie about a cursed video game um created by someone that disappeared in 1985 it was found by a video game collector today and um 
when he and his friends begin playing it? Um, how do they escape the same fate as 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 the people that 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 made the game? And it was made by this secret society of of a cult obsessed video game developers. Um, and that's kind of you know where where it's where that that's what the movie is is still about. But um, but over time, you know, other things you know came to the surface. You know, we talk of uh, not we um, uh, the director of photography of uh, Citra Ocker, Kevin Forrest, uh, was talking to me. You know, at the very beginning of this process about um, the three movies. There's the movie you write, there's the movie you shoot, and then there's the movie that you edit. And so the movie that I wrote, um, and that is, I, I, I talked about this on a Kickstarter update. That's the only time that this was ever quote unquote mine. The moment one person said yes and came on board, it became a we, it yeah. became a collaborative process. I believe in collaboration almost yes. more than I believe in myself. Um, mm -hmm. very much a, 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 a yes. And human being, um, yeah. yep. it's a good I, way to be don't care where the good idea comes from. Um, mm -hmm. I care about the, 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 the work as, as a whole. And so um, you have to, that, to be a good director for any you, directors you, out there who are just getting started. You have to, you have to, um, you have to. Yeah. So that's, so that was the, that's the, that, that, that was, that's sort of the, the long winded log line of Citra Acres. It's a, yeah. it's a movie about a cursed video game. Like it's, I, but it, but it's also not just about the video game. It's about the deterioration of of a human being. You know, dealing with you know the inability to move past the wounds of his of his childhood, sure. uh, and 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 it, and the performance of our two leads really brought the story of addiction to the forefront more than mm -hmm. I thought the 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 story of of nostalgia. And as I was watching, as I was watching them perform from 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 the monitor, I was like, this, what they're doing with this theme and this story is so beautiful that I, I'm more than happy to let them elevate the, uh, the addiction, uh, theme yeah. of this, of, of this script, you know, um, yeah. and that's part the, of the movie that you make the movie that you shoot. Yeah. Yeah. The movie you <laughs> so, shoot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, uh, that's the beauty of a, of a good movie or, script even that's working on all levels is you have that external story about the video game but also the internal story mm -hmm. is equally as important <clears throat> even if it's not showing through on every page because we're going through a lot of plot based stuff it's like that internal story is growing and growing and progressing and progressing in or you know regressing and the characters yeah. getting worse but i mean that's yeah. why i talk about the top you know <clears throat> the, the, the quote-unquote brand is that for me it's all about it's all about characters and that you mm -hmm. know you can have this video game tear this this guy's life apart yep. uh or, or i mean tear him apart but that's not to me uh engaging you know mm -hmm. um you know uh while not in the same not dissimilar hellraiser works because you give a damn about about Christy or, or, or yes, I'm sorry. I was like, oh god, was that her name? <laughs> yeah. You give a damn um, yeah. about her and her 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 struggle and her her, her family situation and her history. Mm -hmm. um, and and this is like, it's not enough that Andrew, our lead character, you know, he this 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 cruise missile of a cursed game is aimed right at him that attacks his uh, his, his childhood wounds that attacks his 
is potential, you know, uh, addictions and, and things like that. How is this going to affect who he is as a human being and how he deals with the people in his life that he loves and, and that love him or people that he is trying to love and those people that are trying to love him. And it's not just about his marriage deteriorating, um, even though he's he's attempting to save it. It's about his interactions with his his oldest childhood friend. It's, you know, all of these characters and the way in which they, they, they deal with each other and they speak to each other and they react to each other and they love each other and they hold each other. That creates the beating heart of this horror movie, which then in act three rip out. You know, and, yes, and, yeah. and you and you, and you yep. squeeze it. Yep. You know, any uh, good horror movie does yeah, that. Yeah. Yep, yeah. For sure. Uh yeah, man. I love that so much. And uh I loved your whole philosophy on shooting and directing. And I do just want to throw in, I kind of already touched on it, but like most times I think that you can probably agree with this. The best ideas, much like uh having good writers uh give you feedback on your scripts Mm -hmm. uh a lot of times on set the best idea comes from someone else like outside of your brain where you're like oh my i would have never thought of that that's such an easy solution or that's an even more heightened idea emotionally than what i was thinking and you just cannot if you're going to be a good director you can't have an ego like that you have to just run with the good idea and say thank you so much Yes, you because know, I makes our movie better. I was so fortunate to have both everybody on each side of the camera. Yeah, um, I really looked after after the casting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, our producer Katie uh, mm-hmm. Katie Delzeal, she uh, is really dialed into the Portland film community, along with our our DP Kevin, mm-hmm. and really put together this incredible crew of of people. And so I had this group on each side of the camera that I trusted completely and without, uh, without hesitation. And that allowed some of the best things to come up. There was a, uh, you know, if, if, if Kevin was like, I think we should, uh, shoot this like this, I'm like, yep. Like, mm-hmm. you're, like you're, you're, you're literally in the room with the actors. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not that far away, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but you, but you are seven inches from them. So mm-hmm. you are, you're seeing, you know, um, so if you believe the camera needs to hop over here, you go for it. And I sit there yeah. and I watch it at monitor and be like, mm, Kevin's right again. Yeah. You know? That was a good, good choice. Yep. Eileen, uh, Eileen Sheedy, who is, uh, who is our script coordinator and is an amazing filmmaker in her own right. And you mm-hmm. are all going to hear more about her. I just know it mm-hmm. in the next, uh, four or five years. Mm-hmm. she would sit there next to me and she had the most thoughtful, lovely, creative ideas. And I would have been a fool to have ignored any of them. There yeah. might be some that I engaged with in a different way. I was like, well, I see what you're saying. Let's maybe look at it this way or whatever. But yeah. um, this movie is a success because of Eileen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a, 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 a a time when uh, we had we we had shot scenes on each side of already had shot scenes on each side of a scene that was that, that we were going <clears> to <throat> shoot on one day. Yeah, and uh, I was with the two uh, the two actors uh, Darius and Joanne who played Andrew and Rachel the the, the married couple at the the heart of this, mm-hmm. and we just we realized that the scene we were about to shoot had the emotional beat of that scene had already been covered on. Mm. Uh, 
and so it was like they had done something in the scene beforehand that was that that moved that emotional beat that was in the scene we were about to shoot had moved it up to there where it belonged uh-huh. based on, on on their performances and and where they were taking the mm-hmm. story but unbeknownst we, to you before this moment while i had written it you know i had yeah. you know, it yeah. was something else and so yeah. we could see where it was going to be going in the scene that we had already shot yeah uh, sorry could you say that again huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's sorry i'm just gonna take this thing off oh, you're, seen, good. you're good we, we had seen you know where it was going and uh-huh. um sat down with the actors and i was like hey I think we're going to, we're about to repeat an emotional beat here. Mm-hmm. Um, we got about, we got about 30 minutes till everything is till, till Kevin and his, his, his team are all set up. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what can we do here? You know, and um, between the three of us and I'm, mm-hmm. and I will rank myself third on the list of where this idea came from. Uh-huh. Um, you know, our leads. Uh, so Darius is a uh, primarily, uh, you know, he's been in a ton of stuff, but you know, theater actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joanne, who her primary is stand up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so you've got that vulnerability, you've got that attention to emotional detail on a microscopic level mm-hmm. um, from, from our, th- and we just sat there and we crafted a new beat for this scene. Like mm-hmm. we, we just had a blow up and an mm-hmm. apology between these, and we're working our way to the scene that's of repair. Mm-hmm. What's going to get us there? Yep. And it's the middle ground. And it was the exploration of what does the, what does the, what does this relationship look like when they joke with each other? You know, we know mm-hmm. that from the way in which we've set everything up, that cooking for each other is a love language for mm-hmm. in this marriage. It says, I love you. It says, I forgive you. It says, you know, all sorts of things. Sure. But what, but, but, but let's not repeat that beat. What else is there? And it's how this couple jokes with each other in a tender in a tender way yeah and I, I watch that scene now in the dailies i'm like that's yeah we're, it's, we're so it's, lucky yeah it's we're just, so it's, lucky to have those minds yeah it's there yeah. and it's and it's and it's better and like i said i read yeah. I, I was sitting there with them and i'm i'm number three on that on, yeah. on, on, on the order in which uh that yeah. new scene uh you know came to yeah. uh came to be um yeah, yeah everybody on that shoot you know and we're done with principal photography we've got a half day of pickups coming up um because let if i may offer one piece of advice everyone don't shoot your finale on day two Um, i know that we i know that we all don't have you know the luxury of shooting things in chronological order i sure as hell didn't yep um but don't shoot your finale on day two and that is not me saying anything about the performances of the actor that is me as 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 a director saying Dro- that and it's dropping me, the ball and, and we we watched the entire story take place and i'm like mm-hmm. oh that's not the ending anymore uh-huh. like oh like now that we've shot you know we have the uh, the the 80 minutes leading up to this like oh yeah. I, I need to change some dialogue i need to change some some nuance i need to change some meaning there yeah i have i believe i have let these actors down yeah. um i i really didn't but you know but it just Sure. We, we, yeah. The, 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 well, when the you animal made... changed during the, during the, the filming. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do some, let's do some different moments in this, yeah. uh, in this finale to yeah. really land this plane. Yeah. And that's caring yeah. about your movie. If you have yes. 80 minutes that are working and you have the capability of having a reshoot, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, we're doing it. 
we're doing we're it. Doing it. I, I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna love this movie until the final ten minutes for the yeah. rest of my life. That ain't exactly. fucking happening. Yeah, <laughs> it'll yeah. drive me nuts. No, yeah. yeah, I uh we we shot the most complex scene of Ethan and Edna on night mm-hmm. one. And I hadn't made a movie in two years and I was mm-hmm. pretty rusty uh, because we we're exiting the pain. Well, no, we weren't, but the pandemic was for the first <laughs> time. Yeah, a unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was like a mistake I made. And I remember driving uh, our lead, Larry, who's also just one of my best friends, driving him home uh, at the end of the night because I drove him to the location. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like 3.30 in the morning and we had to be on set the next day as well. And I was like, we were both like, oh my God, we fucking ruined the movie because we weren't prepared. We didn't realize that we lined up the most complex scene with the most moving parts on night one. Mm-hmm. We should have done that on night three when we'd already found our groove. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I don't want to ramble about my own shit on here because we're no, already, no, no. I don't want to take too much of your time either. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah. But it's true. It's it's that it's it's it, it's not anybody else it's, i don't think it's any i don't think it's anybody's fault it's just yeah. the order in which you you know people are available a location's available mm-hmm. uh, a, an actor a, a specific crew member yeah. and you you have to do things in the order in which you're you're allowed to do things i unfortunately did not have 30 million dollars and and the ability to shoot chronologically yeah we had to shoot when when folks were available and yeah. and i'm very grateful that uh, i get another bite at the apple um, absolutely to, to, and and to, get it to get it where it, it it deserves to be yes for sure and like for me too i know that experience i beat myself up over it the funniest part is that's now one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it actually turned out fine and i would even say <laughs> good so it's just a bunch of freaking out over nothing <laughs> and then uh but at the same time uh i chalked it up to like you know your first time feature uh mm-hmm filmmaker i haven't made a feature but i've made a couple shorts and like i do have to like like we talked about with you know forgiving yourself and being kind Mm -hmm. to yourself that was a learning experience of like dude just you're gonna make mistakes and like Mm -hmm. luckily that one turned out okay there's Mm -hmm. a few other mistakes along the way in that movie that i'm like "Ah, i wish i could have that back but um not a big deal but like yeah you know we're all learning um especially like you know until you talk to the best filmmakers in the world and they'll still say they're learning every time they make a new movie. Absolutely. You're never, you're always going to be learning and making mistakes and being like, shit, you know, I've made seven feature films and I can't believe that that's a mistake I just made. But I, (laughs) I just, for some reason, my first seven features never had a situation like that. So I didn't have the experience. I failed the first time it happened and it's okay. And it's okay. Yeah. So I do want to ask about the Kickstarter stuff. Yes. Uh, so let's dive into that part of it. The movie, we've heard about it. Sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. So how did you finance it? Um, and uh, share all the numbers that you're comfortable sharing. Sure. I really just want to, you know, this is a screenwriting podcast, but a lot of us are writer directors and mm-hmm. want to produce our own stuff. I just love, you know, however candid you want to be about that whole process. Uh, go for it. And I encourage folks to to produce their own their own stuff if they're if they're able to um, in in any way shape or form you know doing is um, I was you know that you know that was a I essentially just went to film school you know yeah. for for yeah. seventeen days you know yeah dude and at the yeah. end of it all shot a feature 
Yeah. Um, I went to uh, film school and still making a movie. I'm just like, oh, that's that's what film school really is, mm-hmm. is about they're yeah. doing. But I'm sorry. Continue. No, no. So uh, the Kickstarter. So I, um, I I'm very fortunate in that I've had a successful Kickstarter in my past. Um, I worked on a comic book uh, called Pink Hearts with a couple of incredible folks. Um, and so I had had a positive experience with the platform. So I went into it with with a positive feeling about going back to to kickstarter to put a movie up there um and what i did in terms of the numbers is i i thought about what was an amount that i as a first-time filmmaker even working on a story in a industry about an industry that i'm a part of yes uh what is a number that i feel comfortable, reasonable, not a fraud uh, asking for. And where I landed was Mm $40,000. And however, prior to the Kickstarter, I had been spending, I had been saving money along the way. I had been, um, you know, talking with some folks. I did get some initial, you know, investment um, uh, privately. Um, And so really sat there and, thought about what was the number that, that I felt safe, you know, ask or reasonable asking for. And I landed on 40 mm-hmm. for, for a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started putting together a campaign and I was going to launch it in spring of 2021 mm-hmm. um, with an eye of shooting in the fall. And about a week, I put everything together in the way that I, I, I thought it was um, going to be successful and uh, about a week beforehand, um, a Kickstarter for a horror comedy that was asking for five hundred thousand uh, dollars uh-huh. debuted, uh-huh. and and I was like, oh, I mean, one that looks amazing. It was Onyx the Fortuitous by Andrew Bowser. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks amazing. Uh, I also believe that's going to take a lot of uh, money out of the potential ecosystem. So I'm going to just yes. I'm going to I'm going to. I'm going to pledge towards this campaign. Yeah. I'm going to look and see uh, everything that he's doing here and learning and learn from that. Um, and then maybe a little bit later in the year, I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go again. Yeah. Um, and of course he was, he was successful and he got over 600,000, you know, oh, that's um, amazing. I mean, it's phenomenal. Like I can't wait to see the, I, I can't wait to see the, the, the movie whenever it, uh, whenever it comes out. Um, sure. Um, and so what I did is after that was, after that campaign wrapped and I was thinking about like, well, when should I go ahead and launch this? And I was, um, you know, we were just starting to potentially come out of the pandemic and I started to kind of change the script a little bit. A lot of it took place over zoom. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't, I can set this scene in an arcade. I don't have to set this on online. And so started to reconfigure what I thought the movie was going to look like. I began to add more uh, crew. I began to, to reach out to some folks for about cast uh, casting even more people yep. um, than my original version. What I think made this so successful and what I would encourage anybody that goes on, whether it's Kickstarter, Seed and Spark, whatever, is go on there with a very, not just a very clear vision, but a very clear ask of why you're asking for this money and how you plan to deploy it how you how this movie will actually get get made um and so when i ended up launching again in the fall uh or i guess late summer it was august 
um, leading into into September. Yeah. Um, I had a, a video that explained not just the story, but key key cast and crew, what the vision was, how we were going to execute on on that vision. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, not just you know here's the campaigns, here are all the rewards. Do do the homework. It is the same thing as you know. Maybe don't sit down. You have a new idea for a script. Don't just start writing the pages. You know, so it's not. And you know, a, a lot of Kickstarters that I've seen that haven't made it, or you know, have been that they clearly got very excited about what they were doing, and they should be excited. Yeah. But the 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 you need to put the Roy Disney hat on. You know, yeah. and like, and and here's here are all the logistics for how this how this idea is going to become a, a reality. And so, um, you know, you know, during that summer, you know, I was working with, uh, with Kevin and I was working with Katie and I was reaching out to, you know, some actors in the, in the, in the Portland community that I knew I really wanted to work with. Thankfully, uh, Darius, who I had written the, the part for, um, you know, said yes. And so I was able to add him to it. And then fortuitously in the meantime, um, he had a, a supporting part in the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage, so I was oh, more man. than happy to add that to the uh, to the old to the old campaign. Yeah, he's, he's, he's amazing in it. He's he's got yeah. this he's got this great um, he's got this great scene where he and and, and uh, Nicolas Cage are just eyeballing each other, uh-huh. and uh, it's I mean he's. Yeah, I haven't seen Pig yet. I know I need to, but uh, I've heard great things. It is it is so good. It's one of my favorite movies of last year, and I'm not just saying that because Darius is in you know our movie, mm-hmm. and also that it was you know made in Portland. It is yeah. a just a genuinely touching movie about we have a limited amount of time here. Yeah. You need to do you need to do what you love with it. Yes. Uh, at the end of the day, you loving what you've done with your life is what matters more than what anybody else thinks. And that message really landed on me and continues to to land on me and, and guide me as I, you know, make creative decisions, you know, you know, in my life and, and with my both, you know, day job career and also my 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 hopeful, you know, hopefully my filmmaking career. Uh, so yeah, Darius gets pig. That's great for the campaign. You have this video up there that's explaining how you're going to use the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, it, it is very important for anyone who wants to start a crowdfund mm-hmm. and like all you're doing with your crowdfund is showing we're dead serious. Mm-hmm. I'm a person that you can believe in. I'm not just some bum who's just trying to throw something together. Like I am being very savvy and logistical about how to do this and uh people will follow people will give you money if you're someone like that like hey they seem like they really know what they're doing i'm curious it is not it cannot be underestimated what you're doing you know you are asking people the money that you you're asking for them to give you is money that could be used on groceries is money that could be used on 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 any on on whether it's a necessity or a luxury yep. you're asking you you were so you better damn well, you know, have the respect for them mm-hmm. that you are showing them a clear plan of action that you Agreed. can execute on. Shit happens. People, unfortunately, you know, are become unwell, you know, sometimes projects don't, don't work out for one reason or the other. And there are, you know, legitimate reasons why some kickstarted campaigns or Indiegogo, whatever, don't make it. Yeah. Some are outright frauds, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And, sh- and shame, shame on those, on those people that, that do that. Um, um, 
But if you're gonna if you're gonna ask for that, have the respect to uh -huh. uh, to, to to have a clear plan of action, uh -huh. um, so that their belief in you, uh, their generosity is uh, is is clearly uh, is clearly rewarded um, with a uh, with with a finished project uh, that that they can be proud of, saying that they 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 were associated with whether it's. Yeah. One dollar, whether it's five thousand dollars, that they yep. they are proud that they were a, a part of your part of your project. Um, you yeah. cannot, you you have to take it. Yeah, you have to take it so seriously. And I tell you, running a Kickstarter campaign uh, will take years off your life. It is. Yeah, uh, it <laughs> I is can't imagine work. running yeah. one at the magnitude, the level that you ran one. It's it is a, a roller coaster. Um, yep. I did not. I, I went into it. I did believe we would make it. I did believe we mm -hmm. would get the 40 grand. Mm -hmm. um, we had days, you know, we, we started off, you know, okay. You know, you know, uh, I think the first 24 hours was like, we got 11%. So like, okay, like a little over four grand, like, the, you know, 30 yeah. plus day campaign. Like, okay. You know, if we can keep yeah. this going, mm -hmm. I mean, there are days when you pull in only like 70, $70. Um, you, and you still have thousands yeah. to go. It it's is like, absolute. Oh dis, it is absolute despair. You yeah. you you feel like a fraud uh, because you are you are out there on the on the ledge. You are out there on the stage. Mm -hmm. You are completely exposed. It is an incredibly vulnerable place to be. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you get a day where you make thirteen grand in a single day because whether it was the algorithm gods or you got picked up in Fangoria, which thankfully that's what happened with us. Yeah, that's um, so amazing. Um, and, and, and then you're like, oh, we are, we folks see what we're doing. Um, they recognize the, the work and the vision that's, that's here and we're going to make it. And we, we, we made it, we hit 40 early. And I just remember waking up the final morning, we, we crossed the finish line at, uh, at 45 grand. So, oh my God. Um, so you ended at 45. Ended at 45. And of course yeah. there's, you know, fees and, and taxes yeah. um, do, do not underestimate taxes. Um, yeah. uh, thankfully I did not, but I, I, I know that because I'm fortunate enough to have an accountant. Um, yeah, yeah. So, plan, um, a, plan accordingly, plan talk, accordingly. Talk, to the, talk to the professionals you need to talk to. Yeah. That is not trouble that you want to get in. Yeah. And so, um, cross that finish line and, um, you know, celebrated and then, you know, just immediately moved into the next, you know, uh, phase, you know, and unfortunately yeah. that next phase, um, uh, ran smack dab into the buzzsaw of, uh, of the next wave of the pandemic, you know, oh, Omicron yeah. and everything like that. So yeah. the plan to shoot stuff in November, December, you had to immediately shelf that because, uh, nothing is worth the health and safety mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of your cast crew of people that you love or, or will soon love. Yep. Um, yeah, it was a so deadly, we, deadly virus. And it still it is can't be underestimated. Yeah. yeah. And so we, um, yeah, we, we, we delayed and we delayed again and, you know, but in the meantime, just kept doing all the work, you know, even, you know, if, you know, you're not, you know, you're not shooting a picture, you know, I'm, I'm over here, you know, storyboarding, Kevin's over here doing a shot list, Katie's securing locations. I'm, I'm, I'm doing casting. Um, mm -hmm. um, just, you know, uh, 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 Bill Rushing, his, his, his 
guy who worked on a, on some props for us, you know, whether it's fake game boxes or a book, he's working along. Uh, Jeff, who is our, our, our set designer and artistic director, he's coming up with his vision of what he wants, you know, the rooms to look like. Everyone's just doing their stuff, waiting until it looks like it, it's going to be safe to, to go. And then, mm-hmm. um, because we did use some SAG actors, we had to uh, abide by, you know, SAG testing guidelines, not cheap, but worth yeah. it. We yeah. had one COVID scare on the first day of the shoot. We mm-hmm. went down for, we went down for a week. We used that week to tighten up our shot list mm-hmm. and to do additional pre-production. So that when we came back on everyone, you know, no one was, no one was messing around, but everyone took it three times as seriously. And we yeah. sailed through the next 16 days of production doing rigorous testing, whether it was on site or going to uh, clinics or, you know, rapid tests in the morning and everyone tested negative. Um, you know, we bubbled up and we were able to shoot a motion picture, you know, amazing um, man. Yeah. It's the COVID thing made it so much harder for little indie productions. It is uh, so much studios, harder. You know, they have the money. Yeah. Uh, it is, it, it is, it is expensive. Yeah. Um, I, I had to dig into, uh, in, into some, uh, some, yeah, I, I had to dig into to, to some additional, you know, funding to, yep. uh, to cover all the, the testing, yep. but it was worth it because, yep. uh, everyone was safe. Everyone yeah. was healthy. Yep. Um, to the point where actually I, I, the, the folks, not just the multiple folks in inside the industry were like, uh, you know, Katie, you know, pointed to Katie and I and go, you ran a safe, you ran a safe set. Mm-hmm. You, you achieve something that, that some movies and TV shows can't do, you know, yeah. with, yeah. with multiple uh, multitudes more money than you have. Yeah. And so Katie and I are very proud that we ran a, a, a safe, uh, a safe set where nobody, yeah. nobody got sick on. Yeah. Because you God know. forbid some, not just, you know, somebody gets sick, you know, and, and we were all on the quote unquote younger side, yeah. Um, but God forbid someone takes it home to their grandmother, you know, yeah. or, 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 or a, yeah. a sibling or a friend that's immunocompromised. God forbid, you know, we have a body count, you know, off screen. Oh my God, like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, money, you know, we obsess over money and life and filmmaking and all these things, mm-hmm. but money comes and goes. You yes. know what I mean? Money comes and yeah. goes in life. You can't replace uh, a life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I really respect you for that. I think that's really, really awesome. Um, yeah. So when can we, what's going on with Citra Acre now? We'll kind of close that little chapter out. Uh, what's going on? What can we expect? So, um, I mean, we're, so we just finished, uh, uh, principal photography on Wednesday of, of last week. Yeah. Um, at like four in the morning in my backyard, oh, uh, dude. the, the, the last shot that we got is, is, is rather, uh, poetic. I don't want to necessarily say what it is because it spoils a story beat. Please don't spoil it. One of those things when Maria, who, who, uh, was our AD, when she put together the schedule, I was like, that's right. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the last shot. <laughs> of yeah, course, that's oh, how we it call can't, it. It can't, it can't be anything else. Also, yeah. oh, that's I have neighbors, so we'll have to be very quiet, but, uh, yeah, that's it was, amazing. uh, so we're going to do pickups, uh, soon. Um, it's not scheduled. I just saw actually earlier today, Katie sent out a mail asking for people's, you know, scheduling so that we can get mm-hmm. that done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll move into, uh, we'll move into post. Um, yeah, my guess is it, this probably won't happen until the beginning of, until the beginning of next year to really, yeah, to really get this right. 
Um, yeah. I wish it yeah. you know, could have been the end of this year, but it's not yeah. going to be. Um, That's fine. Yeah. It, yeah, it is what it is, man. They they come yeah. out when they come out, um, especially projects, you know, that yeah. are, again, you know, you, this is kind of guerrilla filmmaking, you know, you just had an idea and said, yeah, we're going to make it happen. You know, we're going to do not this. Studio yeah. head, but we're going to make it happen. Yeah. I think, you know, it is, I have no idea, you know, what mm. will, what will happen with Citra Accra. Um, I think that we have made something that people have not seen. I, I look at some of the shots, some of the effects, uh, things that we're doing and they're like, I have not seen that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Kevin's eyes is brilliant. I think that our performers uh, got to places that they, they needed to get to like it, it is, it is humbling when your dialogue is, is, is read aloud when, mm-hmm. when, and especially when you hear lines like, Oh, I always heard it in my head this way. And they deliver in a way that devastates you. I have no problem admitting there were multiple times I teared up behind that monitor because I couldn't believe this was actually happening. Yeah. I couldn't believe this was, this was coming to life. I couldn't. Yeah. That I had all these people around me mm-hmm. that, that shared in this vision that we all trusted each other and we all, we all went on this, this mission, this adventure, you know, together. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm bad about it, that. At least at one point when I'm making a movie, I'll look around at everyone working so hard on a stupid idea that I had and just, you know, by myself and started writing on my laptop. I'll always tear up and be like, don't cry in front of everybody. <laughs> but like, it's just so touching, you know, to it, think that these people are out here helping you make this dumb little thing that you just wanted to make this little piece of art. There's nothing like it. And I just, I think one of the healthiest ways to look at it is it's not yours. Yeah. It is yours. It's yours when you write it. And the moment someone says, yes, it it becomes ours. Um, Yep. Absolutely. Biggest compliments that I will take with me to the end of my life. Mm -hmm. um, were from, from folks on the set, uh, particularly on the crew side. uh, One more than one person actually said that this was the most fun set that ever been on. And that was important to me because you were watching movie. You're like, it was very clear. Everyone on the set had fun. They, they all had fun. Absolutely. Making it, and that translates. Absolutely. Yep. But it was the last day. And, and someone said to me that like, this is the kindest set I've ever been on. Uh-huh. And that one just, that one just hit me because that's yeah. all, that's all I, that's all I want is, yeah, there dude. is no reason to be an asshole in pursuit of your vision. I don't care how good that vision is. I don't care yeah. how talented you are. Mm-hmm. Um, totally agree. If we are here to make joy and the fact that somebody said that this was the kindest set that they had ever been, and they've been on some stuff. Yeah. Um, that to me knew I had, I was no longer a fraud. Yeah. That I, I was, I knew what I was, I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it in a way that was true to me. And I was doing it in a way that only added that it didn't take away from anybody's experience. You know, I, it means a lot that someone, that someone was able to identify that it was kind. Cause I, it's uh, yeah. important to me. I work hard for yeah. that. Me um, too. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. As the director, you're kind of steering the ship of the morale. You set the tone and you set the tone and um, man, hearing some stories from old Hollywood sets and just being mm-hmm. like, my God, you know, like even yeah. beyond yeah. like, you know, sexual harassment and those things mm-hmm. that are just outright, like, of course that is fucking awful, but like just mistreatment of crew, you know, uh, yeah. bad, bad attitude from the director uh, egos. 
it's just really, really horrible. And I'm glad that I've, you know, had the mindset from the get go here at the beginning of my career Mm -hmm. of, uh, being humble, trying to be without ego, you know, and and champion kindness on every set, you know, like that is a huge thing for me. Yeah. Like that, that would definitely make me tear up if someone said that to me. Good Uh, work does not have to come at the cost of other people's feelings (sighs) at the cost of their humanity, at the cost of their joy. 100%. Because at the end of the day, we're making something that I want to be great, but at the end of the day, this is a dumb little movie. It is not worth someone being made to feel bad about themselves. Even worse, being insulted in a way that is going to have an impact on them far beyond this set and this shoot. You know, like there's there's nothing worth that. We are here to make something and that's it. Like there's 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 nothing here more important than everyone's collective feelings and safety uh, yes. uh, emotional and physical. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's nothing more important than that. Okay. So the last couple we're going to cruise through because I've taken okay, so okay. much of your time. And I apologize. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so hard to sit with my friend, Andy, who is such a, del- <laughs> is such a delight. And and we haven't even been able to talk about, you know, your successes and, and, oh, and how no much one wants I- to hear about that. <laughs> they, they do. I, I mean, I, I do want to, you know, I, I know you, you, that you want to, that you do have questions and things that we, we talk about. And it's just, yeah. I, I, I just have such this deep admiration. I just remember, I remember when I read, um, when I read suplex yeah. and I think what moved me so much uh, about that script and about you was you were writing about people in crisis, people in low situations and you didn't write down to them. You were tender with them. You made, the, you gave them dignity. You made them human beings. Um, and I was profoundly affected by that. And it's something that I uh, integrated and and made it a part of mine. It was like, I just, it, it's just, it, I'm, I'm not just saying this to say it. You genuinely changed my writing because I was like, I will never look I mean, even the villain, I will never look down on a character um, again because of the way in which that you you constructed those very real human beings in various degrees of crisis and struggle. And maybe they were making terrible choices, but they're making the choices, the only choices they felt they could make. Yeah. Um, unlike, you know, I don't mean to call out things, but, you know, say it's like a hillbilly elegy where pretty controversial in that way yeah. and very cond- very condescending. And that's not me mm-hmm. saying anything about the, 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 the performers or the direction mm-hmm. or the set dressing mm-hmm. or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just remember just, I was like, these people are trying to make the best decisions they can for the circumstances that they are in. And this movie is just, it's just, I felt like it was really looking, looking down on them, you know? And, yeah. and I remember just when I was reading suplex and I'm like, Andy's not doing like he is he loves these characters so much that he is he is treating them so tenderly Mm -hmm. um I mean their their flaws and their mistakes are right there but Mm -hmm. at no point did I feel an ounce of condescension Mm -hmm. (laughs) look at these rubes look at this idiot of course us us city folk or whatever you know like yeah I just yeah is it is a way in which that you have directly affected um directly affected my writing 
you know, going oh, forward from when I, from when I read that script. Going to make me choke up, Levi. No, that's so nice. <laughs> uh, I really, really appreciate that. And yeah, you know, it's weird. I I've gotten that, uh, compliment. I've been lucky to get that compliment a couple times on both mm-hmm. suplex and bellyache, which are kind of set in similar universes, but mm-hmm. like the, the odd thing to me is that like, you know, it's not really something I'm setting out to do. It's kind of just writing about like the kinds of shit that I've seen where I've grown up, which is just, you know, Missouri, uh, suburbs kind of outside the city. Um, but a lot of people struggling and a lot of people just check the check life. Um, Mm -hmm. some of my friends growing up lived in really nice houses. Mm -hmm. Others had, you know, uh, a parent who was, uh, you know, wildly addicted to drugs and we would go in their house at 13 years old and see cocaine on the coffee table at three in the afternoon mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, so it's, you know, varying degrees, but like, um, yeah, you know, as, as artists, you know, um, I do think that at least the good ones, you know, which, I mean, I hope that I can be in that class one day, but like, you know, just a tremendous amount of empathy. And I think yes. when you, when you write from that, you know, it's like, and when you lived your life that way, you know, like, uh, I, I feel like my empathy has gotten stronger. The more I've grown into, I am a, a writer and mm-hmm. I am someone who has a understanding and something to say about the human condition, understanding that we are complex beings in a constant state of growth and learning and, uh, you know, and also we're at different levels of comfort with being vulnerable. You know, sometimes yeah. I've met people who are assholes and at the end of the day, I can kind of think about it like, well, they're someone who's obviously like pretty closed off to their own emotions and that's projecting out into the world. Well, and what's the, what's the expression like that, that hurt people hurt people. 100%. Yes. Yeah. That is exactly what I'm trying to say. And it's that but, but we as not just artists, but as human beings, that if you can hold on to and exhibit empathy in a world that increasingly does not value or sometimes even outright punishes empathy, mm-hmm. um, that's that that's that's a that's a victory uh, uh, in itself, you know. And and yes. I really tried to hold. Um, I, I I really I really try to hold that empathy as 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 best I can. Do yeah. I have do I occasionally have empathy and compassion fatigue? Yes, I do. You know, yes. because of how hard how hard this world has become. This is not the world that I thought it was going to be when I was a kid. Yeah, and I and I again I go back to what I said, and I'm saying that as a as a forty something straight white guy. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I recognize that this is not the world that we all thought it was gonna was gonna be. Mm-hmm. The horror the living horror that so many folks, you know, are, are, are going through. Um, if in my position of, of privilege or however you want to put it, if, if I turn my back on empathy, then, then what am I like, what am I, how dare I, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, yeah. to have all, to have everything I have and to, to, to not have compassion, to not mm-hmm. have empathy. How dare I, you know? Yeah. And I'm, and that, that's, and that's just, that's just what, you know, and thankfully that's, you know, part of, you know, the, thank God, you know, my, for my folks, I just remember them to, to the, the lessons that I took forward from them, the, the idea to have and to not share is a crime, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
And yeah, I, I try to weave these things into my, into my work. I try mm -hmm. to weave these things into my art. I try to surround myself with people with similar life philosophy or, or outlook. You know, I have, yes. yeah. I have, I have embraced people. I have let go of people, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, again, to go back to, I, I knew you from, you know, from, from Twitter and I knew you from the writing group, but I loved you when I read suplex. Mm. That is such a compliment, man. Like I, I don't even know how to respond to that because it means so much to me in this moment, but like, yeah, man, thank you so much. That's something that I really, really try to do in my work is to, you know, bleed my whole heart out on the page because it kind of mm -hmm. lines up in the genre that I would write in a lot too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it, a lot of those drama movies that I admire so much that I wish I could have written uh, the Florida project short-term 12 oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Um, movies like this. Uh, they're my North star. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause there's just something about that type of story in that genre that just speaks to the way that I want to create. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, those are kind of movies that are, that's what it is. You know, it's a showcase of just like finding empathy in the toughest parts of life and uh yeah. things like that so anyway that that means a ton to me uh thank you so much and i know that you of course you know you're you you're 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 you are repped and i know that you are i believe you you, you said something recently about a shopping agreement i did yeah i can't exactly say i'll tell you sure. after Zoom. <laughs> yeah. but if if there if you do decide to try to make either you know suplex or bellyache or mm -hmm. anything i want to do anything i can to help and to be supportive oh, of that, because I believe in you and I believe in your, your, your writing and your heart with everything I have. And I also want to say here that that offer extends to anybody listening. If there's any way that I can be supportive or helpful, if you want to run a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or whatever for your movie, and you have questions about, mm -hmm. about, I am not the expert. But I do now have a successful campaign and a, and a successfully shot feature. So yes. I do, if there's any, if you have any question, any curiosity, if you're like, hey, should I include this in my video? I'm not going to have the absolute answer, but I'm going to have, I will have some thoughts and some advice yep. that will be, that will hopefully, you know, they come from a place of uh, uh, genuinely wanting to see um, more voices, uh, Yep. You know, more more voices out there so really yeah. like any way that i can be um that, that i can if, if someone has kickstarter questions or movie questions or whatever holy shit please you know you know find me and or dm me or or, or email or or whatever and i i want to be as helpful as i can because people were helpful to me yeah and That's i want to i want to move i want to make sure i pay that forward yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I feel the exact same way. I love whenever people ask me shit about filmmaking. How'd you make Ethan and Edna? Yeah. I don't know how the fuck to even get started. How'd you do? It? I love that because I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. let me tell you, because it is really hard to figure out. And we didn't do it the right way, quote unquote, but we did get it done. And here's Which how means so, you did yeah. it the right way. Exactly. Getting it done means you did it the right way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I also, uh, offer that out to anyone. Like I, I really love trying to 
share the little wisdom that I have for my little path, you know, so far. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. So, uh, I feel like I know this one, but of the scripts that you've written, <laughs> which is your favorite and why? Um, my favorite is, is I mean, my, my favorite probably is Citra Okra because of course, it is, yeah, that's what I was going to guess. It's it's a movie that is about so many things that are so that's so close to me. I, I mean, I was like, look, if I'm gonna only get to make one of these, and God willing, I I there's there's many more to come. But yeah. I was like, if I only get to make one of these, I'm making it about these things that mean yes. something to, to that means something to me, and that yeah. I also haven't seen in this configuration before. Yep. Um. So I yeah that that probably is is my favorite. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd say, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. Uh, and then we have reached the final question. Uh, so a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those just getting started. Um, there is not one path forward. There's only, mm-hmm. there's, there's your path forward and mm-hmm. it's going to look completely different from everyone else's. Yep. Whether you are, you know, writing your first, you know, script at twelve or seventy-two, um, there are going to be so many gatekeepers out there, so many folks that are going to tell you no. They don't do it to yourself. Let, let but, but I mean, I, believe in yourself. Be gentle and tender with yourself. Um, and believe that your voice matters because it does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I could say, you know, write, study, learn the form. And of course you should, yeah. you should do these. You should watch, you know, you should be watching movies and TV shows, of course. But at the end of the day, it's be, be tender with yourself and just accept that your path um, is different from everybody else's. Don't measure yourself to anybody else. You are not in competition with anybody else um are you're you're only in competition with time mm-hmm. um god knows that was a big realization that got me to you know make this feature when i did it was like i'm sure i am likely halfway through this life if not a little bit past that mm-hmm. um and so it was it was time you know um yeah time to do the big scary thing that you don't know if do you can the, do time time to do the big scary thing that I didn't know I could do until it was happening. And until it was happening with a group of people Mm -hmm. whom I trusted implicitly. Um, yeah. Like you, I, you look, I mean, it was halfway through the first day and we're like, Oh shit, we got this. Like, it was like, like, Mm -hmm. like no matter like, like, Oh my God, look at this group of people. It was, it was, it was a, you just, there was just a shift in energy halfway through that first day. We just, we nailed this dolly shot and it looked cool. And everyone just kind of looked at each other like, Oh my God, is this our movie? And I'm like, We're oh, making our movie. movie. Yeah. Our movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I love that dude. All right. Well, cool. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. That was Levi Buchanan. So candid. So great. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Andy, thank you so much. It is, uh, it's equal parts an honor to be here, but, uh, it's also an honor to be your friend. You are a, you're a, you're a hell of a human being and thank you for having me here today. 
Thank you so much, man. Likewise, the feeling's mutual. All right, y'all. That's it. Episode 14 is in the books. Uh, I want to thank Levi for coming on the show. Um, just a great dude, right? You guys like him? I love him. Uh, at iLevi on Twitter. He is an inspiration to me as a wannabe filmmaker that you can just write a feature and just go make the shit. Just go do it. Don't sit around waiting for people anymore. Um, really love that mentality. And uh, yeah, just a great guy. If you made it all the way to the end of the show, by the way, thank you so much for listening because this was a long boy. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, if you heard something that you liked, uh, you know, go ahead and give us a shout out on Twitter or Instagram at social writer pod. Uh, you know, tell me something that you took away from this episode, something cool that Levi said, something dumb that I said, any feedback is welcome. And if you like what you heard and you want to donate to the show, Send a couple bucks to uh, the PayPal at Social Writer Pod. Um, you can find it in the Linktree link in our bio, a donate button. Uh, really appreciate that if you can. Um, and that's it, guys. Honestly, you know, take care, drink enough water, get some exercise. Don't forget to get up from your chair every now and again and walk around the room. Uh, blood clots in your legs can be fatal. It happens to teenagers who play video games for too long. So don't let it happen to you guys. I'm going to leave you on that super morbid dark thing. Take care. Love you guys. Bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast.